0: Thank you again, Heavenly Father, for being with us uh, here now. As we open up uh, your word, I pray that you open up these hearts, uh, that hear uh, exactly what you are speaking uh, to us now. Uh, I pray that prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Have a seat. Hope you'll take out your Bibles. As you take them out, you could turn to Acts chapter 20. Uh, Acts chapter 20, and then you could also turn to Revelation uh, chapter 2. Uh, what I'm going to do as uh, as we start off, I'm going to read first, but uh, we'll be reading both in Acts 20 and Revelation 2 uh, about a church, uh, and this church is in the city of Ephesus, uh, it was the church that Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians to, and Paul here is is leaving this church um, for the final time, so it's known as his farewell speech. Uh, and this is not a farewell sermon, so don't read into that. Okay, but uh, it is his farewell speech to the elders and the the congregation there. And then the reason I've I've added or tacked on Revelation is because then several years later, we see this church again and and what has happened, okay? So that gives you some context. Uh, We're going to pick up, I think on your program it said verse 22. I changed my mind. We're going to start with a little bit more context, verse 17. And I'm going to read through uh, verse 38. Uh, Now from uh, Miletus, uh, he sent, Paul sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, Paul said to them, You know from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance Toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves Will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up, even from your own number, and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I never stopped warning each of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I've showed you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him. Grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. If you would, turn to Revelation chapter 2. I'm just going to read a couple verses there. And again, this is, could be a decade uh, after Paul left. Maybe longer, but uh, this is where the church of Ephesus was. Revelation 2. Verse 1, this is Jesus speaking. Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at, one, at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So again, i read you that, uh, that second passage from Revelation uh, to show you some context uh, about what, what happened to the church uh, in Ephesus or what was happening. Uh, that they, they pulled away, Jesus says, from their first love. And Paul actually warned them about this. Now, as, as Ty spoke, we are beginning a, a series here, New Year 2019. I think the best way to start a new year is to pray and to talk about prayer and to be intentional about what we're praying for. So over the next month, uh, we're going to pray intentionally and specifically. Today, for this church named Bellwether Community Church. That's what it's going to be about. Uh, next week, intentionally pray about broken relationships, which we all have in our lives. And then we're going to pray intentionally for this city, Metro Jackson. And then we'll end with prayers for Christians, churches, the global church around the world. I, I hope you'll be intentional to be part, and yes, pray, but also come and pray together as we gather for worship. Now, I am I'm a believer Obviously, passionate about prayer. Uh, one thing I'm not as passionate about, though, I will say this just so you know. I've never been a big guy that um, is, is big on public, um, kind of public displays of prayer. I think part of that is from my own uh, life and history. Uh, and, and to be honest, seeing some things that were just not legit. Uh, my prayer life is probably more private. Uh, I really take seriously uh, what Jesus said about going into your prayer closet. And I really take what Jesus said about, you know, he's reserved some of his harshest words uh, for those who tried to kind of grandstand and publicly pray. So I don't want you to think that this is going to be something where uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, like promotional or or public, even though we pray together. But I'm talking about. In your life, in your heart, in my heart, in my life, to be intentional about prayer, and that is something that I want to grow in me—to be more active and more abundant uh, in my daily life, in the spirit. Not having to show anyone, but you know, uh, when you see someone, I believe, who has an active and abundant prayer life, you just—I believe—you just know it. They are—they're a little bit more in tune uh, with the Lord, uh, and they don't have to show it to others. So I say that that. I'd ask you to think about your prayer life. Is it active? Or would you call it abundant? And then today, I want us to think about praying for this church, Bellwether Community Church. As I look forward into this year, uh, 2019, there's one thing uh, that I'm praying for uh, in the life of this church. One one general uh, thing or, or aspect what I want to see, what I'm praying for, what I'd ask you to pray for. And that is very simple for me. And that would be powerful, uncontrollable revival happen in the life of this church. Let me say that again. Powerful, which I believe is supernatural, uncontrollable, which has passed kind of the organization and the plans that I know I and and others, we, we like to create. So even like things that we don't see or plan or have, like let it go and let the Spirit go to work. So I pray for that. I'd ask you to pray for that. Now that's generally speaking. How would you pray for that to occur? And you might say, well, do we need it to occur? I would say yes, I'd say every church needs it to occur over and over again, uh, that to, to be open, as we sang about, that the Spirit of God would descend here in a new and a vibrant and abundant way of uh, filling people that we would see manifested supernatural activity. And I would say that with or without me, as in whether God calls me home or whether God calls me away, as Ty uh, spoke about. And I really appreciate worship's intentionality to lead us in prayer, and I hope they'll do it again, but for the leaders of this church to be humble, to seek what God has. And so I was convicted in that, to seek what God has. Not my plans, or anybody else's plans. What do you have for this church? And I know, uh, biblically, and in, in knowledge of my faith, what he wants for every church is powerful, uncontrollable revival. And that uncontrollable is sometimes the tough part because we want to control it or manipulate it, or, and often we have to let go. What might you pray for in that? Because that's generally like pray for a revival. I think there are three specific things that you could pray for that would manifest revival in this church, each of you individually, me too. I think one, you should pray for yourself, so not like, hey, I pray for this church, I pray for the people, pray for yourself, personal assurance, what do you mean by that? That you know God, that you really, deeply know God, and that is not the case uh, for many of us. And I just hear everywhere, because we live in this context where we come, we kind of, we do the thing, but to know God, a personal assurance of his hand, of his work, of his spirit. That's one. Second, power. And I think we need to do this more and more. Pray for power, for supernatural power, the power of God in our lives, in this church, in our relationships, in the city, in the world, but power, the power of God so personal share to know God, power, to have God's power, to tap into that power. And then third, that the church, this church, would be God's church. What I mean by that, that it would be special, it would be separate, special uh, both to us, uh, but to the Lord, separate from the world as it is. And so that people would see you and us and say there is something different. Yes, there is something different about this church. There is something different about those bellwether people. And that's not over and against any other church because we aspire to be as connected we are. And the only way God's revival will happen within this city is if churches are in relationship and unity about the main things. But that we would be separate in the world but not of it. Now, the reason I say that is because you see all those three specific prayers in this passage in Acts, in Acts 20. Uh, you see personal assurance, Paul knowing God. Where is this? Verse 21. These are things we can kind of just glance over and read over because some of us, we like know the Bible so well, or some of we don't take the Bible so seriously. How he knows God. Verse 21, I testified to both. Jews and Greeks, everyone, about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. Verse 27. Because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Now, again, you can easily read over that. The whole plan of God. Knowing God is knowing the whole plan of God in the whole of the Bible, and that takes time. Verse 32, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. If you know God truly, you know his grace. You know we're only saved by grace and not by ourselves. Which Paul knows and which he shares with us is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. He knows God again. He says Lord Jesus because he says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 35, this knowledge of who God is, what he has for you, for your life, for your church. You see, spirit-filled power here. Verse 22, I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit. Compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there. Led by the Spirit. Power of the Spirit. And you see, the church is separate, special. Something special, something separate. Separate. Verse 28, be on guard for yourselves and all the flock on which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. It is special to the Lord. It is separate to the Lord. Is it to us? And then in this passage, there are wolves. And Paul is very clear that the wolves will come that the wolves are crouching at the door. Verse 29, I know after my departure, savage wolves, he spares uh, no categories, will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Uh, Wolves, he says, will come in. Wolves will not spare uh, the believers of the church. Wolves will fight. Wolves are aggressive. Anybody ever seen a wolf? I don't know, out hunting or anything? I hadn't. Anybody? Nobody here? Nobody that tough physically. Spiritually, though, many of us have seen some wolves. Many of us have seen some wolves, and those are much tougher. What's the result of these wolves? The result is what we read earlier. Revelation 2. The wolves claim some victories in the life of that church. What are wolves? Often you can, uh, this passage has been used to say, who are the wolves? That's not what I'm doing here, okay? Not what I'm doing here. But there are wolves. And I would say they do have names. Uh, There are wolves crouching in every church. There are wolves trying to infiltrate every church. There are probably wolves in every church. You need to address them. You need to see them. So as we pray for Bellwether Community Church, I want to help you see the wolves, and know them so we can fight them and we can win. I like to win? I like to win? I know you sports fans out there do. Some of you won yesterday, some of you didn't. You know, not saying any particular games. But we like to win. We like to beat the wolves, the spiritual wolves in your life. I think there are three wolves that are here. Three big wolves, three wolves that have names, I think these three wolves are probably in every church in this context in Metro Jackson. That's just my opinion. I don't know every church. But I know three wolves that are around here that are crouching. I name these wolves complacency, materialism, and another one that was a little hard to name. So this is kind of complicated. Not too much. Spiritual inertia. You know what inertia is? It's no movement. Spiritual inertia. It's very, very tied to complacency, but they're different. They're like brother, brothers, brother wolves. Complacency, materialism, spiritual inertia. Let's define these wolves, and then let's see how we can fight them, okay? Uh, first, the wolf of complacency. This is, uh, uh, this is a very, um, I think, a very secretive wolf. that You don't know he's there. He's crouching. The wolf of complacency. Uh, It is is a wolf that invades the lives of those who believe in Christ and know they believe in Christ. Uh, This wolf makes us feel satisfied, self-satisfied. And then before we realize that we're so satisfied, we're defensive to others. Maybe defensive about our faith. We're closed off to new ideas. We're closed off to correction. We're good. You know, the wolf of complacency, to translate it, to paraphrase, it's literally the wolf of, I'm good. We're good. Thank you. Meaning no thanks. It's a wolf that makes us feel safe, but we're really not safe. Uh, it's a wolf that, uh, you know, if you look at your, some people have said to look at your faith, to look at your, your Christianity, your belief is like, you know, a, a, an airplane and you're flying through life. I mean, it is, it is your life. Instead, this wolf would, uh, would make our faith look like the parachute and that it is a safety mechanism to jump out when we're in trouble, but not the whole of our, of our life. This wolf creates in us a desire, a desire just for generalities. Like maybe we come, look, I've been here too. We kind of want general messages or sermons. We kind of want a general uplift. There's a bit of an uplift. We want general quotes. We find ourselves, we like the character studies in the Bible, but we don't like to be searched by Scripture, searched by the Lord, searched by the Spirit. We do not like to be disturbed. That's that wolf of complacency. He's nested in almost. In the Old Testament, you know, the false prophets were always a lot more popular than the true prophets. I'm not saying anything, that's just the truth. The wolf of complacency makes us expect nothing vital. Nothing vital when we gather for um, a group meeting, a small group, uh, even a, a mission or ministry, even when we gather at church. You expect nothing, so you get nothing, and nothing happens to you. There's never a sense coming to gather for worship. There's never an idea that, hey, God might visit his people. God might do something miraculous. It might be uncontrollable. And we even want to control it in our minds and, and, and reason with it and give reasons why this or that happened instead of just letting go. And we're too concerned, me too, about what time the service ends. Because we expect nothing. we are going to get nothing and nothing really happens. It's a wolf of complacency saying, let's just you know kind of do the thing, man. That's exactly, in my opinion, exactly where Satan wants us. I'd ask you to examine yourself. I'd ask you to go to God. Here, as we gather over the next month in prayer, do you expect anything? Do you expect anything to happen? And definitely not, I don't want you to expect anything through me. I mean, I'm not any person. It's not about it. Do you expect the the glory of God? The majesty of God. Because I can tell you, we do have elders who are very prayerful uh, and very, very um, wise uh, and very, very intentional about wanting to see the glory of God here. Do you expect anything? Members, this is really for members, but if you're visiting here, you can get a great sense today. Do you expect anything to happen? Or come, you know, listen to a sermon Sing a few songs, meet some folks. But the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the touch of His power, you expect that when you come to church, or do you get much more of a lift? And I say this because I've felt it. When we go to a sporting event with a team that we like and they win, I know the truth on that. Because I know in my own heart, I'm preaching to myself. Y'all are just sitting in. But it's good. Examine yourself. What do you expect here? What do you expect in any church? Okay, good place. Materialism. I'll be quick on this because I spent a lot of the fall on it. Materialism, and we'll spend time in 2019 too. Uh, Material, translated, I want, I need. Whatever that is, whatever toy, whatever connection, whatever place that gives you that connection, I want, I need. The wolf, and it is a wolf of materialism. And it's really not about what you have or what you don't have. It's really a heart deal. Don't, uh, don't give to the Lord because I want and I need this. I've said this before, I'll say it again. You know, we live in a, in a world and a culture. I mean, it's world, but it really infiltrates in the church. It's a big wolf, it's a big wolf of leftovers, not first overs. Leftovers, not first overs. It's reasonable giving, not radical. It's, and we reason the wolf of materialism, where he just stays. Well, this is reasonable. The <laughs> Bible never talks about anything reasonable. Radical. Okay, enough about materialism. Uh, we'll come back to it. The last, though, uh, wolf, I want to address I'm really time spiritual inertia. And this would be translated you just don't go. Like there's no movement. And I say that spiritually. That, that's a key word there. Spiritually, you don't go. Because I'm not talking here about you know, not going on a mission trip or, or not going to someplace. In that, that is tied to it. But there's a much, much bigger picture here spiritual inertia. About not going to God, uh, not going to God in prayer, not going to his word, not really going anywhere. And again, it's tied to these wolves are brothers with complacency, but there's a difference. The inertia is like, you just don't go because the other wolf is working at you because you're good, you're fine. You might feel something in a service here. You might be convicted, but you don't do anything about it when this wolf is really feasting on your spiritual life. You don't do anything about it. You're like, oh, I feel it a little bit, but kind of get up and talk to somebody you know after church. Or don't think about it. Uh, Don't apply God's word later on a Sunday afternoon or through the week. Don't go to the Lord in prayer. What are you doing, Lord? You don't act on what you felt or what you thought when you came in the presence of God. It's a big, big wolf. Don't meditate on God's word. Don't think. Why? Because this wolf is alive and active. You don't go to God and others. There's no concern about the glory of God. Just think about, that. I don't think about that. How much concern do I have for the glory of God in my relationships? As pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a coach for fifth and sixth grade basketball, as a citizen. Citizen of heaven, but also a citizen of the United States. Do I have any concern about the glory of God? And there's no movement or thinking about the souls of unbelievers, uh, about mission and ministry. And then we say, and we give excuse because I give excuse. Say, whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm like heavily involved in like mission work around the world. That's not what I'm talking about here. Is it a burden for you uh, that there are know, millions, billions? of souls that do not know Jesus. Is that a burden? You think about that, pray about that regularly. Or do not pray? Are we not, are we so active and busy that we just don't, there's no movement and we're so active that we actually don't attract anyone to Christ? These are the wolves. So now, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we pray. I mean, I, I think it's, it is kind of old-fashioned. It's kind of churchy. It's kind of Sunday school answer, but it's true. Prayer and God's Word. Prayer and the Bible. Um, Paul in Acts 20, you see a man changed uh, by this. You see a person change. You see, him, you see him giving. You see him going. And he tells us, be on the alert. Be on guard. So when I say pray for Bellwether Community Church... I am actually not talking about pray for the church generally, if you're a member. I'm actually talking about pray for yourself as a member. That, you know, say, how do I pray? No, just pray for yourself. Like, examine yourself. Where am I? Uh, What wolves are crouching at my door? What wolves are winning? Pray for yourself. Pray against complacency, materialism, spiritual inertia. And then, you know, we, we have done some things uh, to try to help uh, in this degree. We've done some things as a church, and this is a little organization piece, to help fight the wolves. If you think back, and some of you, and we'll be highlighting in in 19, Grow 3 or G3, and we want to grow in three ways. Grow people, grow giving, grow going. And I'm very passionate about this, and you're going to hear it over and over again, Into this year. But those are things that are trying to fight the wolves and win the battle against the wolves of complacency, which would be people, materialism, which is giving, spiritual inertia, which is going. And often we confuse them. Like I'll say, grow people, and you think, well, that means get more people in. No, it's about you, it's about us. If you're called here as a church, grow people, grow you. That is how a church grows. When when your life, your thinking is changing, your heart is changing. You are more concerned about you even think about your prayer life. How active might it be? How abundant might it be? You're into New Year, no better way to move into a new year. And and this is like churchy Sunday schoolers too, but to start a Bible reading plan, which I've I've done for years and I love. And it it's a it's a discipline. It's a it's a wonderful, healthy. Moving past spiritual inertia discipline, that I, I, and we offer one that's simple two chapters a day. Moving into the Bible, thinking about, you know, what you might have connected with through the Lord in, in a time of, of worship or in a relationship, growing as a person, and also, and I have to say this, but like being truly converted. I don't think, in my opinion, that that everyone here is truly converted. And as a pastor, I will, as pastor of this church, I will stand before God to give an account on this and hold to a higher degree. It says in Peter, truly converted. Because sometimes that wolf of complacency is so deep and dark. Giving. Again, I've already hit on that, but grow three. People. It's about you. You change, we change, you know, and you just, you just attract people to Christ. I'm not talking about attracting people here, but in your life, that, that you are flourishing in that way, drawing people to something different. Uh, giving. Uh, again, talking about the, the wolf of materialism. And, you know, to, but to move to a place, I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity now. Move to a place, if you're, if you're a Christian, of first overs, not Leftovers you make that pivot, thinking through your whole year, what can I give to the Lord? And I'm not just talking about here, but like give to the Lord of, yes, what God's given me, my, my finances. You know, we were blessed uh, and, and able through God's provision. You know, we made our, our budget. That's one goal. But there are other goals that we have in savings, uh, in mission, in ministry that we want to achieve and that's just, money is simply currency capacity, and it's a hard issue. And thinking about your, your year and planning, what do I give the Lord? And if you want to focus on here, then like you kind of ask yourself, do I believe that God is here? Do I believe that God is at work here? Do I believe that God is at work in my family, and my life, here? I'm not any person, it's about the Lord. So, 2019, I mean, what will you do? And then in going, and let me just say this, often we think of going like, well, I don't know about, I'm not talking about like a mission trip, like, which would be great, and we're gonna go, and I'm gonna, you know, we'll promote that, and you know, it'll be awesome, they're, they're all awesome. I wish, I wish everybody would go, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about going to God first, to prayer, to the Bible. Going to others here, like in this community, in this church, whether you're members Visitors. We need to be intentional to let me say this. Avoid clicks. Uh the human nature in us, and that's a human nature, we move towards you know who we're comfortable with. I I do that, who I like, who I want to be around. Be intentional to avoid clicks. You know, one thing that's really practical, and then I'm gonna start doing because I want to lead the way, to avoid that, is sit in different seats. You ever thought about I mean we're gonna do it? Like sit in different seats. There are people back there that maybe down here needs to know. You know, I grew up in a church, and I love the church, but, you know, I had names on every seat. This church, as long as I'm here, this church will never have names on seats. It's not somebody's seat or some family aisle or anything like that. And look, my family had an aisle, okay? And it was front row. But that is, you know, and love you family if you ever hear this, but I mean, it's just, it's countered. It, it leads to complacency. leads to spiritual, I'm good. I got my road. I got my seat. Change up seats, we're going to. Right, Linda? Right, yep. So we'll lead the way. Think about that. The most practical thing you could do. Go to, other, go to others out there. There are people in your life, there are people in your life, in your family. You know, all I really want, I want for every person here visiting is human flourishing, that you would Flourish. And God wants to use you, as Paul talked about, to equip you, to inspire you, to go to others, to be ministers. Uh, you're the saints if you're a Christian, to lead people to Christ. So there are others out there. And then, yes, there is the world that we're involved with and connected with, the global church, which you hear about. But even if you're like, you know, that's not my deal, it's not my call. Look, that's fine. I'm not going to push you a pressure. I think it would be great if go, you go. Know. But pray for it. We have global partners in India, in Honduras, in Italy, in Emirates. Um, we're connected to just a network, it's not a denomination, but a very robust, vibrant network called Acts 29. And they just do it for, really for relationship and planning churches and um, year in, year out, being active in that. You can pray for that. You can talk to me about that, but at least think about it, pray about it. Be considered about it. But close with this, a couple things I want to say this. If you pray for Bellwether Community Church, you can do so. How do you do that? You can do so, I I talked about knowing God, personal assurance. I talked about knowing, having his power, the power. I talked about being separate, but that the church is a special place. But you can start praying for Bellwether Church by praying, if you're a member, praying for yourself, praying for yourself, examining yourself. Lord, give me something different. Help me to fight the wolves. Help me to see the wolves. Help me to address them. Help me to grow in you. Help me to grow in this community. That's a wonderful way. It's not selfish that you're contributing to the kingdom here. Connect this Grow 3, G3, if you're a member, because it, the people, the giving, the going, is one person. God wants you to flourish. And I believe those three are set. If you're growing as a person, if you're giving of what God's you, if you're going Reason, it's for your flourishing. I love that word, to flourish. As God made you to be, as God intended you to be. That's all, we want to tee you up for that. It's not about gathering. It is about scattering to the schools, to the families, to the marriages, to the addicts, to the city, to the world. Whether you're here for a season or forever in your life, that is the church. That's what I want to see. More and more. And for that to happen, for you to be inspired by the Spirit to that end, because that's not an opinion that's biblical, to be equipped to that end, I need time with you if I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Where I'm going to live and be is verse 24, Acts 20. I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. I'm going to live there, and I'm going to live in 32. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. That's where I will live. So I need time with you. Once a month is not enough. Twice a month really not enough. I'll meet with any and all of you personally. But to both inspire in what the Bible says, and what the Spirit is doing, and equip you to that end, I pray that you would be together here as a community. Last thing I would say, how does revival really happen? It's simple. I mean, just to bottom line it. There are three places there that Paul talks about Jesus, and he calls him Lord every time. Lord Jesus. There's a difference in Lord Jesus than Jesus. Revival happens when he becomes Lord of your life. Not a parachute not a spare tire, but he's Lord. Lord is dominion. Lord is all controlling and yet uncontrollable. There is a difference. And so for a revival to happen, he's Lord. He's Lord here. And he is Lord here, but individually, personally. For me, I shared where I want to live. For you and for we, you know, I've said things before, sermons like this, and like, yeah, let's, you know, go change the world. God's already changing his world, uh, he'll use us. And in small ways, or, you know, as he sees fit. He's already changing the world. But for the we, I don't know you personally, but maybe, yeah, it is to convert, truly. Maybe it is commit, again, to the Lord here. Maybe it's connect more deeply, yeah, and sit in different seats. Maybe it's create something, and use your God-given gifts and faculties to create. And maybe it is to be challenged. Challenged. And you're like, yeah, I got all three wolves and they are feasting. Me challenged. Fight the wolves. It is a fight. And we win by the blood of Christ, which is about to be something that we take part in if you so choose in an invitation. So I don't know where you are. Convert, be challenged, commit, connect, create. But I invite you all, the blood of Christ, it is, it's what saves. It's why he is Lord. I invite you up here now and let God do the work on you. Heavenly Father, work on us. I pray for these people that they pray for themselves and examine us and let us examine ourselves truly. In Jesus' name, amen.